Father, your ways are higher than our ways and your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Help us to live by faith and trust in you at all times, knowing that your timing and will for each of our lives is as unique as our fingerprints. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I will be studying a book. It's entitled The Post-Trib Pre-Wrath Rapture. It's written by the late Roland Rasmussen, along in conjunction with a documentary that I have been viewing within the last 24 hours that someone had given me the link to. It's entitled After the Tribulation, the Pre-Tribulation Rapture Fraud Exposed. Now, I got up rather early this morning and I began this study and the premise is clear. And that is this. There is one second coming of Christ. And that's in conjunction with the one rapture or this idea of the rapture because the word rapture itself is not in scripture, but this this idea and this scripture that speaks of us being caught up in the air to meet the Lord. Now this will occur after the great tribulation. And there's a chart in the beginning of the book that I want to study that covers these things in depth to include the millennial kingdom, which I will speak more on later. Now concerning this author, this author was a staunch pre-tribulationist and a secret rapture advocate for 25 years prior to writing this book. And he spent many years researching before it was published. So I send this note out on Gab this morning, and Mary replies, said, Growing up, Assembly of God, the whole secret rapture teaching never set well with me, even as a child. Beware the Nicolaitans says, When you're done with that, let's go over the historical view and interpretation of the book of Revelation. And then Deplorable Block says, in my opinion, the Bible is very clear on the post-tribulation rapture. Not until the Battle of Armageddon, we must endure hard times ahead. And we'll talk a little bit more about the timing of these things to include the Armageddon as we continue this study. But I also will be intermingling our scheduled reading. And so it'll be all coming uh, together. But yes, this fictional beam me up Scotty's secret rapture where Americans do not have to suffer story was concocted in the early 1800s. No wonder it made it to Hollywood and made commercial Christianity a good bit of mammon. Chris Sine says, so true, thank you. Gloria Dove says Christ was very clear in Matthew 24. Christians will be here for the tribulation. Verse 31, and he will send his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds from one end of the heavens to the other. And she references 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 51 through 52. This trumpet Christ refers to is the last trumpet. And I say amen, my sister in Christ, because there is only one last trump. And that's not to be confused with the Donald either. Now, as we read through the Bible, I want you to notice two phrases, because I think this is important. 
This is stressed in the book, in the reading of this book. And I agree with the presentation. But as you read through the Bible, you're going to see two phrases, day of Christ and the day of the Lord. Now, the day of Christ refers to our Messiah, Redeemer, because Christ being interpreted is Messiah. So when we read this phrase, we're reading about this Messiah, our Messiah, the Redeemer, as he catches up the church in the air to meet him in the air at, the, at his second coming. And it's at this point that we will be fully sanctified and conformed to his image, ready to rule and to reign with him after we are purified and judged. Yes, you and I as believers will stand before his judgment. Yet we won't lose our eternal life with him. We will lose reward based on where we fell short of accomplishing God's will. Now, the day of the Lord, this is where I think of Exodus chapter 15 and verse 3 that says, The Lord is a man of war. The Lord is his name. And this is where we begin to read things like, Vengeance is a mine, thus saith the Lord, when we read about the very wrath of God, because this is when all of this wrath comes to fruition as the, this Antichrist world bears the wrath of Almighty God. To include all these false gospels. And for some reason we're reading in Acts chapter 15 today. I keep failing to see this health and wealth gospel that so many Christians in America are speaking of. We're reading about tribulation and enduring to the end. In Matthew 24 and 1 Corinthians and throughout the scripture, and no wonder we read today in Acts chapter 15 and verse 26, men that have hazarded their lives, hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So in order to hazard our lives, we have to go into hazardous conditions. Hence yesterday's message, the Antichrist hives. Beware the Nicolaitans says this is a very important topic. I've dedicated the last three years to understanding this. A majority of today's Christians are deceived by this false doctrine and are being deceived on a massive level. It's cool to see you stirring the pot with this information. People get really mad when they are challenged with this. Oh, I've been stirring the pot all right. But today, it seems that a bunch of women coming out for the fight, trying to trying to fight against me, trying to sting me with their stings. I'm wondering where all the men are. Probably working. Good for you. I might have to change up my schedule. God help us. God help us. But here's two things that are going to occur before the second coming of Christ. Number one, there's going to be a falling away, which means an apostasy. That's the, ex the, the Greek word, and I don't even have to be a Greek student, is apostasia. Apostasy. That doesn't mean being picked up and taken up. That doesn't mean being raptured in a secret rapture. I don't even have to be a Greek student to understand this. But I'm going to tell you the sad part. The sad part is we're living in this day now. We're living in these stages where it is evident today, like no other time in history, there's a falling away. That's number one. Number two, there's a revealing of the Antichrist. And guess what? 
He very well may be alive today. So I hope you know Jesus Christ. The time is near. And then Big John sends me a clip from Mark Dice yesterday that he did entitled, They Want to Ban the Bible. Listen to this clip. Just how far is the left's censorship going to go? Will Americans sign a petition to ban the Bible? Let's find out. Will you help us to ban the Bible? To ban the Bible? We're just trying to get rid of this hate speech just to help the New World Order. But Amazon is still selling it to a lot of people, and we're just trying to get them to stop that. Why would I want to ban the Bible? Well, you know, it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. Uh, uh, It's hurting a lot of people's feelings. Just print here and... Yeah, print, birthday, and a signature. You know, the Bible hurts a lot of people's feelings, and it makes a lot of people feel uncomfortable. And if we can get rid of it, you know, that'll really help with the New World Order. A lot of people want to burn the existing ones, but maybe we can do that later. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Well, and guess what she was thanked for doing? She signed it, and she wasn't the only one. If, if you catch the video, the full video, on YouTube, he got a couple pages of signatures. Now let's talk a little bit about this book they want to ban because we read about this in our reading in Acts chapter 15 today. So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch and when they had gathered a multitude together, they delivered the epistle which they had read. They rejoiced in the consolation. So they read an epistle. So what did they preach and teach? They preached... The word of God. Verse 35, Paul also and Barnabas continue in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. So here's the book that this Antichrist culture wants to ignorantly ban. And see how easily they were persuaded. He got a couple pages of signatures from people who were just walking by. Oh yeah, I'll sign it. Man, I never thought we would ever see the day. But here it is. Going back to this book that I'm reading, the author quotes the early church fathers to show that they were post-tribulation concerning the second coming of Christ and the rapture. And then he mentions some rather familiar names that many uh, pre-tribulation folks may even quote. One of my favorite authors is on this book, John Bunyan. A Pilgrim's Progress author. But it, but it also includes Charles Spurgeon, J. Sidlow Baxter, John Bunyan, A.W. Pink, J. Barton Payne, Charles Brokenshire, Ian Paisley, Jonathan Edwards, Matthew Henry, George Whitfield, R.C.H. Lenski, John Calvin, and Martin Luther. And I'm, I'm sure there's more. Disciple J.J., a sister in Christ, says it's my belief that once many Pre-tribbers realize that they are not exempt from the great tribulation. They will lose faith and fall away. There's a method to Satan's madness. Well, if they're truly born again, they they won't fall away. They just may get smacked upside the head with the Bible truth. I hope you're not taking Schofield notes seriously. I had one reply and say, is that a translation of the Bible? No, it's not a translation of the Bible. It is notes that a man named Schofield wrote, and they widely spread it throughout our country and in seminaries. And a lot of people are teaching his doctrine, which were written in the margins of these Bibles. 
I told Mary, who said she grew up in the assembly of God and the whole secret rapture did never set well with her. I told her, the spirit of God bears witness because my uncle, after decades of preaching and teaching this secret rapture, told his pastor after he had discovered that it was a false doctrine. And the pastor replied, I do not care if an angel came and told me otherwise. Godly men taught me the pre-tribulation secret rapture, and I'm sticking to it, in essence. I'm sure it wasn't word for word, but it's close enough to name this episode, not even an angel, episode number 104. And Tomcat72 says, pride is how a mistake becomes sin. I agree. And there seems to be a deceptive trend concerning this pride that goes along with the common denomination of Judaizers, also known as Zionists, that we read about in verses 1 and 2, Acts 15. And certain men, which came down from Judea, taught the brethren and said, Except you be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and disputation with them, so now you know why these same Judaizers, so-called Christian Zionists, side with the mob. They side with them and on everything, the jab, racism, wokeism, and even Ukraine-Russian conflict. Basically anywhere the satanic mainstream media leads them to go. And it's only by the grace of God that we can escape this, friends. I take no credit for any knowledge that the Lord has granted me, and I pray to be a faithful steward with that same knowledge. We read in verse 11, but we believe through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved even as they. It truly is as simple as grace. And so I have a question, law keepers, because we read in the same chapter, for as much as we have heard that certain which went out from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, you must be circumcised and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. There is no such commandment. B-Dub says, This, some believe, is referring to the law of Moses, not the Decalogue given at creation, given by the patriarchs and prophets before the outward adorning of the law of circumcision given to Abraham, again, far before Moses and Sinai. He goes on, The Decalogue is eternal as the Godhead and will be honored throughout endless ages and he refers to Isaiah chapter 66. Well, the point is, my brother, that the law nor the Ten Commandments can we live up to. We fall way short of the law. We fall way short of the Decalogue, the Ten Commandments. We need Jesus Christ to bridge that gap. There is no justification for our souls for upholding these commandments. We can't do it. I'm going to try to, when it comes to this Decalogue, these Ten Commandments, I'm going to try to honor uh, these commandments. But at the end of the day, you and I will fall short. And he also references John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. And I do love the Lord, and I, I do want to obey Him, and I do want to pray about and to seek what God would have me to do concerning all things in my life to include where to send my kids to school. But people, they hold on to the law just like they hold on to the pre-tribulation rapture, just like they hold on 
where their kids must go to school. My wife had once had a conversation with a fellow Christian lady about schooling. My wife told her our kids attend public school and this is how we build our church. And this Christian lady said, did you pray about it? And my wife said, absolutely did we pray about it. And this Christian lady says, well, we homeschooled our children. My wife said, did you pray about it? And the Christian lady said, no. Why should I have to? I mean, really got kind of a little bit offended. Now, poor, how dare I, how dare she be asked if she prayed about it? So the moral of the story is this, my friends. Pray about it. If God wants you to homeschool, public school, or even Sunday school, pray about it. And when he answers, do it. Become worthy. And groomers on Gab says, what would a homeschool-based prayer look like? What should the focus be? Very simple, my friend. One phrase, thy will be done. Thy will be done. And some say, well, how can it be the will of God that any of his people go to a public school? Well, my friend, you might want to ask God. Pray about it. Then see what Moses has to say about it. See what Joseph has to say about it. See what Daniel, who was a public school student as well, and then rose up to high levels of government, no doubt oversaw the public education in some way, fashion, or form. They can answer it better than me. But again, at the end of the day, pray about it and say, Thy will be done, Lord. And then I get a case in point with a lady who is ranting and raving in a reply on Gab. I don't need to mention her username or profile. She may repent. But she says, I don't need to pray about that. Well, I just had to reply to this lady. And I responded with Philippians 4, 6-7. Be careful for nothing, but in everything. By prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passeth all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. This means everything, my friends. And the reason why this lady got in such of an uproar, and the reason why I'm not up in an uproar, I have the peace of God. I see now why our kids were in a public school. And we'll get to that here more in a minute. But maybe it's to fulfill the Great Commission, if God would have you to do that. And all I have to say is, if you want to continue blaming God and blaming me for obeying God and having peace with God on what to do with my children... You may want to ask him why he sent David to fight Goliath, O ye of little faith. Andrew F. on Gab says, my wife is a public school teacher and we're homeschooling our kids. He laughs. And he says that they prayed on both. He says what the Lord tells us to do, that's what we should do. However, he has established some things that we have already been told. Train up your child is one of them. Don't cause these little ones to stumble is another. He says, we as parents have been entrusted with the care of the children God made, so we must seek him and evaluate what will be good for them. As established in his word, not all public schools and all communities are the same. Another thing is, anything not done in faith is sin. And this brother here makes some very rather good points. Point number one, to pray. Hey, brother, 
congrats, man. Keep up the good fight. Do what God would have you to do. And you're right. We've been in many areas being stationed in the Army. Not all public schools in the community are the same. There's some of them, like I've said yesterday, that I probably wouldn't send my dog to. Unless the Lord really wrapped me upside the head and said, Andrew, this is what I want you to do. But this is what I have found out. I found out that we were able to train our children in a greater way by being able to learn how to handle adversity and the world in increments starting at the kindergarten level. So when later the teacher began to teach things like macroevolution, one of my kids raised their hand and said, not according to the Bible. All I know is this. I've been preaching in the trenches and the lion's den since 1993 when I became born again. And I have not run from this world. And I have not taught my children to run from this world. I have taught them to face this world through Christ. Even if that means picking up a few stones and a slingshot like David to face Goliath. Speaking of David and Goliath, I saw where Andrew Torba, CEO Gab, had just made an offer to Elon Musk to partner with Gab so that he could invest in it, $2 billion or something like that. And I replied to him, I said, prayers, my brother. Sometimes I perceive such offers as negotiations from David to a Goliath. But nevertheless, my friend, may the Lord's will be done. And this is the point. We are to pray about these things. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are are higher than our thoughts. I'm not going to tell you what to do as it pertains to the will of God, especially if you're fulfilling and carrying out the Great Commission and loving the fatherless. Who am I? I have one master, and it's him I listen to. You have one master. Listen to him, but you're not going to be able to listen to him unless you take time to speak with him, and that means Pray in all things. I told Elon Musk, I had replied, he said, I made an offer. He made an offer to buy Twitter in its entirety. So I replied to him and I said, I made, I made an offer. Accept Christ, Elon. I also made an offer to the lady who wanted to attack and false accuse me today. She said that I said that. Christian children should go to public schools. Nowhere have I said that Christian children should go to schools. I said Christian people need to pray about wherever you send your children to school. And then I addressed the truth of her reply to me because she was she 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 had her behind chapped because I had removed her from the group and I told her I said, "Yes, I removed you from my group." You kept blowing up my notifications with false accusations. And I gave her an offer as well. Said my door is always open to repentance and wished her peace. Do you want to know what the three greatest things my kids have learned in a public school? Number one, how to stand for Christ. Number two, how to build a church ministering to their fellow students, the fatherless, and their families. Three, to be a light in the darkness. 
No wonder we read in Isaiah 9-2 today. The people that walked in darkness have seen a great light. They that dwell in the land of the shadow of death upon them hath the light shined. This is in the land of the shadow of death. Who are these children? Are they gods or are they yours? And if they're gods, they know God knows how to take care of his children, just like he did David, just like he did Moses, just like he did Joseph, just like he did Daniel. By the way, Jesus said in Luke 5, 32, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Then they say, oh, you can't do that. You can't send your children to the lion's den to fight your battles. They're not my children. They're God's children. And they're not fighting my battles. God's fighting their battles for them. My God is mightier. David Ward says, for some reason, I keep thinking about that statement that Christ said he comes for that Christ said he comes for sinners. Yet the people that claim to be righteous reject Christ. Does that not make them sinners? Does not the Christ say that all that reject him are doomed? Sometimes things like that make my headache. However, I do know for a fact that Christ did come to save everyone that believes in him and has given them eternal spiritual life with him and the Father. And that's where. I put my faith in, he says. Well, you do. Your faith is right, my brother. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And as for these righteous people who reject Christ, they only claim to be righteous. You said the right words. They claim to be righteous. The sinners are the ones that admit that we fall short of God's glory. This is what I know, friends. If there's contention, which I get almost on a daily basis as I'm on social media, if there's contention among the brethren as a result of interpretation or practice, state your arguments, rebuke as necessary, and then move on. Worry about your own lane. Agree to disagree. If you keep on going on and on and on and attacking me, I'm going to block you off. Send me an email if you repent, and I'll add you back to the group. It's no big thing. I'm just not going to have you blowing up my notifications with false accusations and hate. Because I don't hate the brethren, even if they disagree with me. Because I know that we are all, all at various learning stages of faith. We see this contention today in verse 39. And the contention was so sharp between them that they departed asunder one from the other. And so Barnabas took Mark and sailed unto Cyprus. So even amongst the apostles, there was contention. Just learn to separate and to move on. We're not going to agree with everyone on everything. That hence is the nature of life. We know this. In any relationship, and that includes Christian relationships. Iraqi on Gabbas says, is there a limit to Christian tolerance? Is there a point where even the most devout Christian will say, no, I will not be part of this and I will resist by any means? And he kind of had a lengthy post that was alluding to when do we step up and start creating some violence? And all I told this brother, and I've said this before, show me where this physical army exists and I'll sign up because Rambo is for the movies. 
And unless God raises this army, you speak of the physical fight is in vain. And when the judgment of God is upon a land, this physical resistance is suicide. And then he replies later, he says, we only see courage among Christians these days when they are wearing a skirt. Shame on these Bible-quoting men that rather sit and wait for God to do something when God made men to be the protectors of women and children. I'll tell you this, my friend, I will protect my women and children. Best believe that. And I'm well-trained for the task, by the way. And I wished him peace as well. And then there are some who... I will agree with, such as Peter Crosby says, if need be, I will be an army of one. Maybe not in a physical war, but in a spiritual one. I'm not going to keep my mouth shut for this. I will speak out, and if necessary, I will defend my family, my Christian family too, as we are all brothers and sisters in Christ. And this I agree with. This I truly agree with, my brother, because we are commanded to preach the gospel and to fight as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Disciple JJ, sister in Christ, says, I agree wholeheartedly. That said, why do some refuse to allow others who disagree with them speak their truth? I find that more alarming in Christians than the unbelievers who will not let you speak the gospel to them. Amen, my sister. You could speak the gospel to me all day long. You can blow up my notifications with the word of God, Bible verses, and your arguments with the same. But if you blow up my notifications with false accusations, vileness, and hate, guess what? You're getting blocked and you're getting removed from my group. And I'll tell you this, there's one thing that separates a believer from an unbeliever, and that's faith. And I don't serve a weak God. And if we trust in the power of the Holy Spirit, he gives us boldness to face this world. Verses 8 9, And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, giving them the Holy Ghost, even as he did unto us, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Your heart is not right before God without faith. And as we exercise faith, we become more holy. As he is holy, and there's room for growth. There are better practices we learn to assist our exercise of faith. But this understanding and this practice comes with time. We all begin with milk, and hopefully we will all end with meat. Verse 28, for it seemed good to the Holy Ghost and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. And concerning these new believers, they were not going to be overburdening them with a bunch of knowledge that they weren't ready to receive. And so it's in this wisdom, this wisdom that Paul had and uh, future elders of the church. And we read about this oversight with uh, upon these local churches that were planted by people like Paul. Because Paul did not plant churches and leave them hanging. He remained a mentor and a shepherd to these young flocks. None of which is to be confused with the bureaucracy and the hierarchy of the establishment churches of our day. Although, there may be some bishops within these organizations that are faithfully fulfilling the role as Paul did. We read in verse 41, And he went through Syria and Cilicia, confirming the churches. 
Kathleen 2005 says exactly. He also spent three years in the desert being taught by Jesus. So where did he go first? St. Peter to receive direction from the beginning. St. Peter was the head of the church on earth with the keys to heaven. We need to go back to the early church and become zealots of our faith. Well, my sister, Christ is the head of the church. We read this in Colossians 1.18 verbatim. And he is the head of the body, the church. It was the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he might have the preeminence. This is Jesus Christ, the Lord. And I agree, my sister. We need to put aside commercial Christianity and get back to New Testament Christianity. We need to remove the leprosy that's within our churches. We read about this law of leprosy in verse 57 of 14 chapter of Leviticus to teach when it is unclean and when it is clean. This is the law of leprosy. And I'm here to tell you, and you already know, there are all kinds of unclean churches in this country that need healing. Unhealed, it becomes a deadly cancer as unconfessed sin becomes a cancer. And we're seeing this with these LGBT churches, transgender churches, all this wickedness and leprosy. Leprosy healing was a cleansing process that was rooted in true faith. And so is the cleansing of our sin by faith. And Without faith, again, you are unclean. And if you are clean, you pray thy kingdom come. You pray thy kingdom come. We read Isaiah 9, 6. For unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. We don't say, no, I'm not doing it, even if an angel comes and tells me to do otherwise. No, my friend. We pray and we seek the will of God by his grace in all things. Psalm 104. Bless the Lord, O my soul. O Lord, my God, thou art very great. Thou art clothed with honor and majesty. Who coverest thyself with light as with a garment. Who stretcheth out the heaven like a curtain. Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters. And who maketh the clouds his chariot who walketh upon the wings of the wind, who maketh his angels spirits, his ministers of flaming fire, who laid the foundations of the earth that it should not be removed forever. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment. The water stood above the mountains. At thy rebuke they fled at the voice of thy thunder. They hasted away. They go up by the mountains. They go down by the valleys unto the place which thou hast founded for them. Thou hast set a bound that they may not Pass over that they turn not again to cover the earth. He sendeth the springs into the valleys which run among the hills. They give drink to every beast of the field. The wild asses quench their thirst. By them shall the fowls of the heaven have their habitation, which sing among the branches. He watereth the hills from his chambers. The earth is satisfied with the fruit of thy works. He causeth the grass to grow for the cattle and herb for the service of man that he may bring forth food out of the earth and wine that maketh glad the heart of man and oil to make his face to shine and bread with, which strengthens man's heart. The trees of the Lord are full of sap, the cedars of Lebanon which he hath planted, where the birds make their nest. As for the stork, the fir trees are her house. The high hills are a refuge for the wild goats and the rocks for the conies. 
He appointed the moon for seasons. The sun knoweth his going down. Thou makest darkness, and it is night, wherein all the beasts of the forest do creep forth. The young lions roar after they pray and seek their meat from God. The sun arises that they gather himself together and lay down in their dens. Man goeth forth unto his work and to his labor unto the evening. O Lord, how manifold are thy works and wisdom hast thou made them all. The earth is full of thy riches. So is this great and wide sea, wherein are things creeping innumerable, both small and great beasts. There go the ships, there is the Leviathan, whom thou hast made to play therein. These wait all upon thee, that thou mayest give them their meat in due season. That thou givest them, they gather. Thou openest thy hand, they are filled with good. Thou hidest thy face, they are troubled. Thou takest away their breath, they die and return to their dust. Thou sendest forth thy spirit, they are created, and thou renewest the face of the earth. The glory of the Lord shall endure forever. The Lord shall rejoice in his works. He looketh on the earth and it trembleth. He toucheth the hills and they smoke. I will sing unto the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. My meditation of him shall be sweet. I will be glad in the Lord. Let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless thou the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. I pray that this episode of Gospeled was a blessing to you. And if you would like to become a team member of this Christ work, simply pray. Pray that God would use this podcast mightily for his glory. Share the episodes wherever you can and support with a subscription if you're able to do so. We are in this together, Christ friends. Keep up the good fight.